Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart Podcast. Each week, we interview the best and brightest in physical therapy, wellness, and entrepreneurship. We give you cutting-edge information you need to live your best life, healthy, wealthy, and smart. The information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not be used as personalized medical advice. And now, here's your host, Dr. Karen Litzy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Karen Litzy, and today's episode is brought to you by NetHealth. NetHealth's outpatient EMR and billing software Redoc, powered by XFIT, provides an all-in-one software solution with guided documentation workflows to make it easy for therapists to use and streamline billing processes to help speed billing and improve reimbursement. You can check out NetHealth's new tip sheet, to learn four ways that outpatient therapy providers can increase patient engagement in 2020 at go.nethealth.com/patientengagement2020. And I also want to thank NetHealth because for this episode, they let us use their booth in the exhibit hall at CSM. So this was recorded live at CSM. And my guest this week is Dr. Tanis Quatre. He is the Vice President of Sales for NetHealth, a leading software company serving therapists across the care spectrum. Tanis studied physical therapy at the University of California at San Francisco and has practiced as a PT in outpatient, inpatient, and home health settings. In 2007, he founded Vantage Clinical Solutions, a business services firm specializing in marketing and revenue cycle management for rehab therapists and private practice. Tana speaks nationally on the topics of entrepreneurship, marketing, and finance, and has been published in numerous publications, including PT Emotion, Impact Magazine, and Advance for Directors in Rehabilitation. In this episode, we discuss what do new clients look for when they choose their physical therapy provider, how to ask your practice ambassadors for a five-star review, what branding strategies hold the best investment for your practice, and how to convert marketing touch points to new client leads. So a huge thank you to Tannis for taking his time out of his busy scheduled CSM. And of course, thanks to NetHealth for sponsoring and allowing us to share their booth for this interview. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Karen Litzy. And today, as you can probably hear in the background, it's a little bit louder than it normally is. And that's because I am recording this live at the American Physical Therapy Association's Combined Sections Meeting in Denver, Colorado, which has about 15,000 plus people. And I am currently in the exhibit hall getting ready for a great interview about why patients come to see us. What is the why behind the patient coming to see us, what can we do as physical therapists to reach those patients? As we know, there's a lot of people that need physical therapy, and a lot of them do not come to see us. To help me through all this, I'm really happy to have Tanis Quatre here to talk about what we as physical therapists can do to help get patients in to see us and to be happy with their courses of care. So Tanis, welcome. Thank you for having me, Karen. All right, so let's just jump right in. Why don't you give the listeners just a little bit more about you and how you went from a practicing physical therapist into more kind of the marketing side of physical therapy? Perfect, yeah. Um, can I hold this? Um, so, yeah, so I started as a physical therapist about 20 years ago, and in my clinical uh, career, I had found that I was much more driven towards being curious about how patients find physical therapists 
how physical therapists can run uh, run efficient practices so that at the end of the day they can grow their practices and be in business for a long time and care for lots of folks in their community. So I was just really programmed to be interested in those types of things and so I went off and started my own company that, that, that focused in areas like that, um, specifically in the areas of marketing, which is a lot of what we're going to be talking about today. Exactly. So then tell us now, why are first-time PTs coming to your practice? So in your experience and what you've seen with people you've helped, why are they coming? Yeah, so I, I mean, there's a couple layers to this. So the obvious one is they're coming because they've got something that they need to be fixed or something they need to have addressed, right? They're in pain or the, or some some level of function that they're not currently um, able to achieve. Um, at a deeper level, and I think this really ties into where we need to be thinking with regard to our marketing strategy is a, a customer or a patient comes to us because they're looking for hope. They're looking for some better path towards a better life that they are not currently experiencing due to some type of functional limitation or pain or, or, or other uh, illness or injury that they're undergoing. And so oftentimes when people are seeking out a physical therapist, do you think the average person is saying, well, I'm going to look up this physical therapist, I'm going to look up their education, I'm going to see if they did a residency, I'm going to see if they're board certified, did they do a fellowship, or are they saying, how far is this from my home? Do they have parking? Can I get there easily? Is it is do I can do they have appointment times that work for me? So there's a lot of variables there. So what do you think weights as more important? Yeah, so really, really great question. I will answer that with kind of a, a story that pertains to me. I don't know the first thing about cars. But I know that I have to have a car that functions in order to have a productive life, get from A to B, take the kids where they need to go and so forth. So when I need to get care for my vehicle, I go to see a mechanic and I choose that mechanic based on, um, interestingly, what, what I think is, is a really good parallel to how, how customers choose us as physical therapists. I assume going in as I choose a mechanic that most auto mechanics are going to hit a certain threshold for quality. I assume that I go in, I pay my money, my car is going to come out and it's going to work. Sometimes that's not the case, but the most times, and I've used different mechanics over the years, most of the time they hit that threshold. So then the question becomes, what are all of the other things that, that not only brings me to find a mechanic in the first place, the one that I, I choose, but why do I keep going back time and time again? For me, that answer comes down to um, uh, mostly trust. I, I, I and in that trust, there's a lot of there's a lot of tentacles to that uh, rapport, likability, timeliness, um, um, and, um, reliability, and so on. But really. I keep going back to someone for, uh, to a mechanic for reasons other than the fact that they've got the best pedigree and the latest state-of-the-art equipment when it comes to fixing my car, because my assumption is my car is going to be fixed when I leave. And I think that that's a mindset that helps me calibrate around what are really truly the drivers of a consumer that comes in and chooses Karen Litzy as, your, as their provider and then stays with you over time. 
I think that assumption that we should be thinking from is uh, that frame of mind should be that the assumption is the customer is going to get good care and they expect that, but that's just the that's the basic bar. It's all of the other things. How much do they like you? How quickly do you respond? Um, how deep is that bond and that relationship you've created that makes them say, I'm going to come back and see you time and time again and not even bother Googling for somebody else that may be out there in their market. Yeah, and I think I love kind of taking an example outside of physical therapy. And as you were saying that in my head, I'm thinking, like, I get my hair colored. And I love my colorist. She moved out of New York City. I tried someone else. Eh, like, the color was good, but I didn't have that bond or that relationship. Like, the colorist just wasn't, we didn't click. We didn't vibe. So now I'm willing to take an hour and a half train ride to New Jersey to get my hair colored because of the relationship that I have from this with this stylist, with this colorist. And so I think if we can think about it in those terms, choosing a physical therapist should kind of be the same. So I think you are going for the culture, for the person, for the relationship, and like you said, the baseline should be you get better, right? Absolutely. Um, your hair looks beautiful, by the way. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I mean that that really that's a that's a, that's a great example. So um, uh, the uh, you know a, another way to maybe say it is what, um, how I think about it is we're looking for peace of mind. We've all we're going to have different challenges throughout our life, whether it's our car or our body, and we need a doctor uh, as a physical therapist or a, or a medical doctor. Um, we need folks that help us complete our life and our ability to have peace of mind that we have put together that network that is going to help us feel comfortable with the choices that we've made and be able to efficiently realize that the outcomes that we're looking for, even though technically speaking, maybe you could find somebody who's a better colorist for your hair that might even be closer to you, but you've got peace and you've got everything you need. You've got that relationship you need and, you, and, and, you're, and you're meeting that bar for quality. So you go back time and time again. Yeah. And I think that's really the threshold that we should be thinking about with our, with our customers. And that kind of segues beautifully into what I wanted to ask next and, and that what is success? So when we think about uh, a successful plan of care or a successful business, is it good outcomes or great outcomes or is it good relationships? Or maybe it's a combination of both. I don't know. Yeah. Great question. Um, so, um, obviously, outcomes are extremely important. So, and, and I look at that as a baseline. That's that's why that's that's the that's the proof that we're able to achieve what it is that, that, that we've set out to achieve with with our customers. So, outcomes undoubtedly. But when you when you do look deeper beyond that, and you're looking for metrics that help you understand, am I doing a good job of um, yes? Uh, adhering to, or tr you know treating through a plan of care and making sure that I'm doing um, good in the moment with this one customer um, outcomes is definitely something you should be looking at but looking deeper than that are we creating are we creating a lifestyle that is going to be sustainable beyond us I start to think about things like okay how compliant is 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 a customer or is a patient with the plan of care that I'm putting into place how good of a job am I doing at influencing that customer to believe that they need to be compliant with what I'm asking or prescribing them to do. 
and then loyalty. Are they coming back? Are they completing their entire episode of care um, or not? If they, you know, do I see them through one episode and then I never hear from them again for the rest of their life when I know for, for a fact that they're going to need myself or a substitute for myself at some point in time? To me, those are really, really important indicators of success when it comes to how good of a job are we doing, not at just being technicians as, as, as rehab therapists, but as um, educators, ambassadors for the profession, that really the better job that we do there to set our, our, our um, clientele up to be able to um, know when to use us effectively and how to, how to adhere to what we prescribe to them, to me that's really where success comes in because um, by, us, by us planting those seeds correctly and motivating and influencing our customers to participate, that's ultimately how they're going to keep themselves healthy for a, for a lifetime. I love that you use the word ambassador. I use that all the time because um, someone asked me a couple of weeks ago. Well, I don't want to say I don't want to say you're a referral source. I don't want to say, oh, my patients are referral sources. Isn't there something else I can use? Because it just feels icky to this person. It feels icky to me, too. Um, and I said, well, I instead of saying referral sources, I say that my former patients or clients are all ambassadors for my practice. Yeah. And that's what I say to them. Like, thank you for being such a great ambassador. So I don't have a referral fee or anything like that. Yeah. I just have, like, a lot of thank you cards this say thank you for being such a great ambassador. So I'm really glad that you use that because I think that's a mindset that perhaps people have to get out of. Yep, absolutely. And I, and I, I appreciate that point. I, I, would, I would say also that I love the word ambassador and I think that, by, that ambassador, being an ambassador is very empowering and empowering somebody um, is a gift. And us as, as therapists, we have the ability to provide that gift to our clientele by helping them feel like they're now part of the profession by doing what? By going out and encouraging others to experience the same benefits that they have. And if we get that mindset right and we really have a culture of ambassadorship, both within our profession as our professionals and with those that we serve, sky's the limit for what we can create. And, and I think it goes beyond your individual practice, but it helps to elevate the profession of physical therapy. Absolutely, yeah, and it makes things like when we're talking about marketing and how do we, how do we, you know, marketing is kind of like a logistical, tactical, strategic thing, right? It's like how do we attract people to us? It makes it very authentic and and simplifies it quite a bit when we really think about it from the standpoint of building uh, building ambassadors through quality, passionate care that people want to go out and, and rave about. Absolutely. And now, I, I know we've been kind of interchanging these words throughout the interview, but we've got patients, customers, clients. In your experience, what kind of clicks for that potential person coming to see you? What do they want to be called? Or what should we be calling them? Or does it matter? Yeah. I think they probably want to be called by their first name. <laughs> I think that what we want to, uh, I think that the mindset that we want to be in, though, is that, and, and this is my personal preference, but I'm an ambassador of this idea, so I'm going to be passionate about this, is um, customers have a choice, and choice is the key. If we look at that, vari that, 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 um, that variable there, a customer can choose to come see us for the first time, and they can, come, they can choose to come see us time and time again. 
they can choose to be compliant with their prescribed uh, therapies, which sometimes are painful or not very enjoyable at all, right? The choice is really that key term. And for me, choice equates to being a customer. Customers have a choice. So if when we when we use um, the word patient, although it's it, you know it's it's in our vernacular and a long held paradigm in, in healthcare, patient to me is um, being um, instructed or being prescribed as to what to do. It's 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 the um, the opposite of having a choice. And so that's so so for me when I'm ha- when I'm when I'm uh, having this conversation with my with my customers who are private practice owners like yourself, I really um, I really advocate for the use of customer because I think it really um, represents what we're trying to do, which is have customers choose us time and time again. And be sort of more active, play a more active role. Patient can sometimes have more of a passive connotation that I'm just here waiting to hear what the PT needs to tell me what to do instead of having a shared decision making about their plan of care. Yes, yes. And, and, And as we know... Um, and, and more proof for the for the use of the of the of the phrase customer. Our customers are researching us out before coming in. They're looking us up on Google. They're doing all the things that we do if we're buying a product on Amazon, right? So that those are customer behaviors, and I think by us really embracing that, it allows us to be more agile and strategic about our marketing efforts. Cool. So now let's talk about. You just mentioned Google. So people are going to Google us. They're going to look at Google reviews, Yelp reviews. So how? What drives these positive reviews that people are reading, hopefully, reading about us? And on that note, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor, NetHealth, and we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by NetHealth. NetHealth's outpatient EMR and billing software, Redoc. Powered by XFIT provides an all-in-one software solution with guided documentation workflows to make it easy for therapists to use and streamline billing processes to help speed billing and improve reimbursement. You can check out NetHealth's new tip sheet to learn four ways that outpatient therapy providers can increase patient engagement in 2020 at go.nethealth.com slash patient engagement 2020. Um, so interestingly, what's not driving the positive reviews is strictly about outcomes and the quality of care, which is really what we're what we're all about at the end of the day, right? We kind of started with that. Um, what's driving positive reviews? I would just put it into one word, which is relationship. If you have a strong relationship, and and within that relationship, you identify um, as part of it, like you're really, really an ambassador, a raving fan. It's not even if you were to request of, of a happy customer, hey, would you would you mind saying something positive about me? Absolutely, they're going to want to do that. But but if you think about what really drives someone to take it upon themselves to say, you know what, you're so damn good that I'm going to go out and do a solid for you because I want to help build your business for you. That's that's based on a relationship, and I think part of it is the identity too of feeling proud about the fact that like if you get the latest iPhone. And you're stoked about it. Don't you feel kind of good about the fact that you're the one going out, bragging about the fact that you're one of the first on the block that's gotten the latest and the greatest? And that same that same sentiment or that same idea is what drives us to go online and be public about positive experiences we have with, with our with our, our rehab therapists. And now let's say we're going to get to marketing in a second, but let's say you're a physical therapist, a private practice owner, um, 
or you're working for a private practice, how do you bring up to your client or your customer like, hey, I would really love for you to leave a review on Yelp or on Google. When is the right time to do that? And is there any verbiage that we want to avoid? Yeah, yeah okay, I love the question. Um, the answer is yes, there's a right time. What I coach therapists to be looking for is, I just call it the opportunity. And it's happening like right now as we speak, by the time we're done with this, it'll ha that opportunity will have happened in hundreds of clinics throughout the U.S. as we speak. That opportunity can come by way of a customer saying, hey, I feel great today. That's, that's a lead for us, right? That's somebody who's happy and they're expressing that to us. It can be somebody who um, has achieved an outcome that, that they had not yet achieved, or they met a goal that you had established together and you both acknowledge that in the moment. Um, there's really deep moments too, and we've all had them, where a customer or a patient gives us a big warm hug and tells us that they love us and they've never ever been in this position before having met us and they're that emotionally bonded to us in that moment, they might even have a tear in their eye. Those are all opportunities and there's infinite flavors of what those can look like. But the first thing we need to do is identify or be trained really to like see that as truly an opportunity to now build an ambassador. Because now the next step is to empower that patient or that customer to go out and do something that's gonna make them feel even better and it's gonna give back to the profession and it's gonna support your business. So once you identify that opportunity, it's a very, in a very authentic and sincere way to say, hey, listen, what you just expressed to me as, as my patient or as my customer means the world to me. Um, and that's why I exist. And I want is to help people just like you. Would you be willing to help me help others experience what you're going through in this moment right now? The answer is gonna be a resounding yes. Now it's logistics. Okay, would you like to know how? This is what you can do. Are you on Google? Do you have a Facebook account? Are you on Yelp? You figure out what, what flavor suits your business needs best. We find that most uh, it's easiest on Google or Facebook because yeah. most people are there. But it's simply, hey, if I provide you with a link and all you had to do is click that link and leave a, a positive review, would you be willing to do that? Would you make that commitment to me? The answer is going to be a resounding yes, and we find that to be highly successful at tying the opportunity to the ask and, and, and to the result. Perfect. Thank you. I'm sure a lot of people will find that super helpful. So now we spoke about why people are coming to you for the first time. What does success look like? What drives those reviews? How we should be thinking about our customers or clients, patients, clients first. customers or clients. So let's now tie that all together and talk about marketing. So how does all of that tie into the way we should or could be marketing our practice? Yeah, I mean, um, in, in infinite ways. But just an easy question, right? Yeah, well, I, I mean, uh, to me, it's all that's all the that's um, that's all the fodder that the best marketing plans out there for large organizations or small should be using. Which is, do we have our fundamentals right? Do we have customers that we can benefit? Do they say 
positive things about us? Um, are they are there signs of success that they're coming back for more and more? Are they compliant? Are they loyal to us? If you have those few things, you can now take that and deliver that out into your community as evidence or social proof that you are the provider of choice. And 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 how do you do that? You know what what what, what how can that be constituted within a, within a, the context of a marketing plan? We believe a lot in content marketing because really everything we do, including this podcast right here, it's all content, right? And and, and content is the best um, the best tool that you can be using for marketing because you you can use it to draw people near to you. So whether it's taking that uh, script that we just discussed to, to generate a five star review online, that by itself is one prong of a marketing plan. That is a content marketing plan that's driven by content that's coming from a happy patient that they're then posting online. Taking testimonials, or um, if you ha- if you use outcomes tools, and you are um, you, and, and you're able to demonstrate that you're better in your market than your peers, and taking that content and then dripping it out via social channels, via via the press, via email, name the channel. It doesn't matter, but by dripping that out there into the community and using that to to pique curios- curiosity and interest, that's basically leveraging your fundamentals into a very very strong uh, marketing plan. And let's talk about consistency. So we know that it takes a lot of touch points before someone will purchase. Like I think I, I was doing some research a couple of months ago and came across this study where I think it took 20 touch points for someone to buy a chocolate bar and it was like 300 before they would buy an expensive set of headphones. And so a touch point can be, just like you said, it could be something on social media, it could be something they read in, in a publication or a blog. Or So we know a lot of touch points are necessary for something that might cost a little bit more money or a little bit more time, Yeah. right? So let's talk about consistency of marketing and what what can we do? Yeah, uh, consistency of those touch points is, is really everything. So so we, we tabulate that basically in terms of impressions. So how many times do eyeballs or ears meet with, meet with the brand that we're promoting? Um, uh, uh, and then... In addition to that, you want to have a variety of how those touch points are experienced. So it would be one thing to have, just to use your your examples, let's say it's 20 touch points or 300 touch points through email. You think think about that. That's going to have one type of impact on you, right? And that impact might be, I'm getting too much email, okay? Oh, but if you if you get to that 20 or that 300 touch points, and it's through a combination of certain certain percentage of email uh, social media I'm getting some through uh, the podcast a little bit on the news station um, I'm getting uh, you know something in my uh, um, uh, snail mail mailbox at home all of those different touch points aggregated together it's really how the all the big brands do it if you think about the when, when we buy an iPhone or we buy a buy Nike or something like that we don't just see them in Sports Illustrated or or the, the Apple store we we see it in multi multi channels every single day. We see it, we we have about six thousand brand impressions that a, that a customer is exposed to every single day, right? And so we, in order to permeate that as physical therapists, we have to have true consistency and volume when it comes to touch points. What that exact number is, if it's twenty or three hundred, it's going to depend on a lot of variables that that are going to be unique to your your market or your practice. But the key is you have to be consistent and you have to be you have to be multi-channel yeah a 
lot of different spokes in that wheel, right? In that marketing wheel. It's not just snail mail or it's not just a Facebook ad here and there. It's a lot, especially in a world where people are bombarded on a daily basis by stuff. Right. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. So so I will sometimes get the same question, like how many times do I have to, you know, touch a customer with a piece of collateral or how many times do I have to market to an influencer or physician before I can expect them to do X, Y, and Z? And that's the wrong question to be asking because there, there's no there's no straight answer. Um, it's it's iterative. You, if you if you track your data, you're going to know for you exactly how much budget and how many impressions you need to see in Facebook in order to get generate a lead. Right? Um, it's going to look different maybe for email, but 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 the key is is to really understand your own business and don't be afraid to um, to, to to try something new. If you're not doing email campaign which I would suggest you're doing, right? Try email campaign, track your track your conversion rates and see if it's something that's that's working for you. And you know, we're we'll start wrapping things up here a little bit, but if you could give a physical therapy, let's say a private practice owner, we'll use that. What would be and again, knowing there's a million tips, but what are your top few tips on how to market efficiently and with integrity and to not feel like a used car salesman? Yeah. Uh, Okay, a couple things. Um, So the first thing um, is believing in yourself and your value proposition. That's That's the biggest threat that we have to our profession is that sometimes we feel like we're too expensive or we feel like it's there's too much cash that's owed up front from a patient um, and we start to second guess ourselves so that in any marketing channel we, we're not as effective okay so so that would be the first thing I would say is really understand and believe in your value and then everything you craft around that's going to have a lot of authenticity sincerity and passion and that will be felt and heard okay and I think the second thing that I would probably offer is um, know your lane there are um, if you take some of the big brands out there they have resources to be able to su- succeed at a certain scale that doesn't work at a, at a smaller scale okay so um, just because it can be effective to have the name of your company splashed on the you know the the you know outfield fence you know for a major league uh, um, ball club doesn't mean it's right for you, right? Um, so knowing what your lane is, and, and a lot of times, if I kind of now bring it down to kind of the micro level and talk about a small private practice, a small private practice trying to do a whole bunch of different marketing things, man, it's going to be hard to do. And probably what's going to end up happening is you're not going to really hit the bar on any one of those things. So I would much rather counsel a, 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 a private practice to say, hey, we're going to dominate these three areas. We are going to lead our community with workshops. We're going to do better than anybody else with holding workshops in our facility. We're going to do it consistently. We're going to pour the resources on and make sure that every single month we're doing workshops. And we're also going to dominate Instagram. You know, if you said those are the two things because that's, you know, and it comes naturally to you, it's it's channels that you're familiar with, and it was just those two things and you didn't do anything else, I think you're going to have more of a business 
ability, more of an ability to have success. And if you don't have success or you do, to be able to understand and tweak your success if you choose those lanes because they can work for you. And I see far too many people trying to do a little bit of everything throwing spaghetti at the wall to see what sticks and and the reality is you don't meet the threshold anywhere and you really don't know what's working anywhere so you don't know how to how to tweak things and make them better over time so I think that the authenticity and believing in yourself and really knowing your lane and choosing to stay in that lane are the two things that I would highlight excellent advice and it's it you know if we put it into our client language we would never give a patient 10 exercises on the first time we see them we would give them maybe one or two so they can master those because if you are trying to do 10 you end up doing none so I can understand that if you're a small business owner I'm a small business owner if I tried to do a million different marketing ideas I'd be like forget it this isn't I'm not doing anything I'm done no more marketing yep and 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 that's kind of what happens. It's a lot of, back to you, you mentioned consistency. It's a lot of starting and stopping when you try to do too much. You can just say, okay, I'm doing a lot of everything. I don't know what's working or what's not. So pivot, try something else. It may or may not be more successful, right? Great, Great advice. All right, now, last question. It's a question I ask everyone. Knowing where you are now in your life and in your career, what advice would you give to yourself as a new grad right out of PT school? Okay. Um, love the question. Um, leave fear at the door. I, I, I spent I spent too much of the early part of my career, probably the first five to seven years or so, um, asking for a lot of permission. Um, thinking that there was a lot of things that weren't quite right for me and that there was some excuse or some magic wand that other people had that achieved things that I thought were really compelling or intriguing instead of just getting out there and saying, screw it, let's just fail fast, fail often, and like get on the path to success. So I think that's the one thing that I would have told myself to do out of PT school. Excellent advice. And that could be at any stage of life. Great advice. So now where can people find you? Tell us a little bit more about your company and where they can find you. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I am proud to be part of the NetHealth company. So I can be, uh, be emailed at tanis.quatre at nethealth.com. And that's uh, T-A-N-N-U-S dot Q-U-A-T-R-E at nethealth.com. You can also find me um, on all of the social channels at Tanis Quatre. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time out and in the middle of CSM. And hopefully this isn't too loud for all of you listening. I don't think it is. But thank you so much, Tannis. This was great. And again, if anyone wants to reach out to Tannis, we will have all of those links in the show notes at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. So thank you. I love it. Thanks for having me, Karen. And again, a big thank you to Tannis for taking time out for this interview at CSM. And of course, thanks to our sponsor, NetHealth. Their EMR and billing software, Redoc, powered by XFIT, provides an all-in-one software solution with documentation workflows and streamlined billing processes. You can check out NetHealth's new tip sheet to learn four ways that outpatient therapy providers can increase patient engagement in 2020 at go.nethealth.com slash patientengagement2020. Thank you for listening, and please subscribe to the podcast at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media.